What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, May 23rd, 2022. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon. My guest today is Scott Horton, who was one of the country's foremost uh, authorities on uh, the dangers and problems with war and one of the country's foremost defenders of peace. Scott uh, returns to uh, Judging Freedom, particularly in light uh, of the controversy caused uh, with by one of our guests last week, Matthew Van Dyke, who purports to be a soldier of fortune and the head of a company training Ukrainians to fight the Russians and doing their training in Kiev, in the capital of Ukraine. And Scott will comment on all of that. Scott, it's always a pleasure, my dear friend. Welcome back to Judging Freedom. Thank you very much for having me, Your Honor. How colossal an error is it for the United States of America to be sending more than 53 billion uh, in military aid to Ukraine. That's more than the total military budget of Russia and more than the total government budget of Ukraine. It's absolutely insane. It's playing Russian roulette with our entire civilization, uh, with the future of all of humanity and at the hands of an absolutely senile and incompetent commander-in-chief. I mean, who even knows who's calling the shots up there? Is it Jake Sullivan, Hillary Clinton's guy? You know, Joe Biden today said, uh, it was asked whether America would go to war to defend Taiwan from China. And Biden said, yeah, absolutely. And then the White House had to walk that back. And someone else pointed out on Twitter four times last year, it's actually said in the article, uh, a Bloomberg article, four times last year, the White House had to correct Joe Biden on his Taiwan policy, and they did it again today. America's policy since Jimmy Carter has been ambiguity. We say it's one China. It always will be, and they will be reunited under Beijing's leadership someday. But we want to see that reuniting happen on peaceful terms. And it's always supposedly ambiguous, even since Nixon, in fact, I think. It's, so I should have known. I should have known that this would have gotten under your skin. We were going to surprise you by running the clip of the Q and A, oh. which Biden said that in Japan. But you're already sorry. familiar with it. But yeah, before sorry, we I'm get to there. that, before yeah. we get to that, I want you to focus uh, not sorry, on. I just was commenting on the complete. Uh, we have a guy who's like might as well be in his 90s. For uh, I mean, Agreed. there are some people who are in their late 70s who are just fine. He's not one of them. Agreed. You know, I'm sorry. Agreed. He's just not. Agreed. So whoever is making the decisions, how bad is it for Ukraine, for Russia, and for American security that we're shipping $53 billion in military assets there or making available assets that are already there, but the, the numbers are staggering? Sir, honestly, it's on par with the greatest mistakes ever made by any humans ever. Uh, the greatest mistakes in all of American political history from, you know, firing on Fort Sumter to, uh, you know, taking the Zimmerman telegram seriously and getting us into World War One, 
or W. Bush's absolutely unforced error in Iraq War II or any of these things. It's an absolute catastrophe. And here's bottom line, Judge, it's like this. Pat Buchanan has said this for years. In the Cold War against the Soviet Union, the USA drew the line at the Elbe River halfway across Germany. And we said, if the Soviet Union comes into West Germany, France, Belgium, Denmark, threaten Britain, we will go to war. They, they, we will not let them invade Western Europe. Now we have moved that line 1,200 miles to the east to Russia's very Western border. Now our Monroe Doctrine says we are the dominant force, not just in the Americas, but in every state on the planet and that no other nation, no matter how powerful, is allowed to have a Monroe Doctrine of their own. And that we can, we are now drawing the line literally at the Donbass, which if it hadn't have been for Lenin and Stalin, probably would have been inside the territory of Russia anyway. And here we are in a border dispute. It's a proxy war, sort of like Vietnam was a proxy war with Russia. Only Vietnam was 3,000 miles away from Russia on the other side of China from there where they were not threatened in any way. And we're doing this right now on Russia's very border, just 300 miles from Moscow. Imagine, Your Honor, if the Russians were messing around like this in Canada, just off of the, just north of New York State, we would be at war right now against them. How, how does our um, repeated distribution of military hardware uh, prolong the inevitable? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, the fact is, these are some pretty sophisticated weapons, and our guys are, you know, they have the, the Ukrainian uh, army has safe haven inside Poland to be trained up on this equipment. So assuming that they can get it all to the front, it seems to already be making a difference in the war against the Russians. You know, Putin has been vague um, and has changed sort of what his overall goals and strategy in the war are. So we don't exactly know. Um, but uh, it does seem that they wanted to go all the way to Kiev and change their mind. Others think that was just a feint. I'm not sure about that. But they essentially control all of the Donbass now. And that means also the entire coast of Azov between Russia and the Crimean Peninsula. Now the question is whether they're going to go all the way to the Moldovan border and the breakaway province of Transnistria there, which is loyal to Russia. But that would mean they have to take the, the port city of Odessa, the very important city of Odessa, which would be very hard to take. It has a massive underground catacomb system and all that for resistance. So that'd be a hell of a fight. Um, but uh, whether the whether the American weapons being dumped in can can stave that off, I really don't know. I think, I think ultimately it'll make it take longer, Judge, but I think probably the Russians will ultimately have their way here. Let me uh, show you a clip uh, from Matthew Van Dyke, the heads of the head of Sons of Liberty International, uh, a, an organization he represents as being a nonprofit that engages in training uh, foreign military in the use of sophisticated equipment. He told us he was coming from the entity's rented apartment in Kiev, and he seemed very credible. I don't agree with what he was saying, but he seemed very credible. I want you to listen and comment. Sure say that Russia is not destined to win the war. And uh, by that argument, that would just 
mean that we capitulate, just allowing uh, any aggressor around the world, particularly ones who have nuclear weapons, to do what they want, and us saying that we're not going to get involved because we want nations to be conquered, we want democracies to fall, because the larger ideals of people living free are less important than, than the body count. So I guess this is the Putin is Hitler uh, argument. What do you make of it? Well, you know, there's a famous quote from Secretary Robert Gates when uh, Julian Assange, the hero, put out the collateral murder video. And he said, well, you're just looking at war through a soda straw. So you're seeing something bad happen, but you don't understand the real context, essentially. And of course, the real context didn't make his position look any better in that case. No, um, but no. That's what's going on here. And, and frankly, you know, to be perfectly honest about this, I usually don't bring up, uh, you know, family issues here, but I do have a little bit of a conflict of interest here, which is my wife has extended family in Ukraine mm. and they're in danger. In fact, she has extended family in Russia, too. And um, well, I shouldn't say any more about that. But, you know, the, this war is really bad, like on a personal level for me. I want to cease fire yesterday. I want this war to have never happened. I think what Russia is doing in Ukraine is absolutely horrible and unreasonable. Um, but the fact of the matter is, while um, Putin and his men are responsible for what they've done in launching this war, the context in which it takes place is the new Cold War between the United States and NATO on one side and Russia and China more and more on the other. And that is America's fault. And by America, I mean Bill Clinton and W. Bush and Barack Obama and Donald Trump, and especially Judge Joe Biden, who as senator and as vice president and now president has been absolutely as responsible for this policy as any of these men for the last generation and more. Um, one more, one more, uh, I see I'm getting you going here, which is great. Uh, one more clip. Uh, Can I say one from, more thing about that guy uh, real quick? It's just, I do appreciate that he's putting his feet where his mouth is. You know, there are a lot of a lot of tough guys talking about how we ought to fight to the last Ukrainian. Well, he's over there training them uh, ostensibly here. I guess I read this Christian Science Monitor report there. He's training them to stay alive and, and to protect themselves and fight for themselves as good as he can. And in a, within that, that soda straw, I admire that. Um, but I just think the real point is all Americans, all of us should be insisting that um, that America's State Department negotiate with the Russians and bring this war to an end. Zelensky himself said yesterday that this war will have to end by negotiation. OK, good. Let's do that. Let's do that right now. And then we won't have to send anybody over to train anyone anymore because we'll just bring the fighting to an end. I don't see how uh, Putin can possibly accept anything less than victory if he expects to be less than a substantial victory if he, if he expects to stay in office when this is over. True. I mean, his military is being uh, decimated. His economy is being destroyed. Uh, $2 billion, $2 billion sits at the bottom, ship sits at the bottom of, of the ocean. If he doesn't come back with huge chunks of land, I don't know how he stays in office. Well, you know, I mean, his original stated goals now, when he declared war, he declared it pretty broadly. He, you could interpret it to mean he was considering taking all of Ukraine. But right. his demands before the war were he wanted the Minsk II deal implemented that would give strong federalism and autonomy to the Donbass region in the east. Right. And then when and he declared war, and neutrality, non right. non NATO membership, non NATO affiliation of Ukraine. Right. 
Right. And now when he, there were sort of two stages, the first stage of the war in, on February 22nd, he said, we're taking the Donbass to guarantee its independence. And then on the 24th, he said, actually, we're going to go ahead and go further than that. And that was, you know, building that land bridge, as they call it, to the Crimean Peninsula across the Azov coast there and so forth. Um, but so he's got the Donbass. I mean, the question is whether they're going to uh, hang on to Kharkiv or not. And they, that keeps changing hands back and forth. But the fact of the matter is, Judge, is that Russian sovereignty over the Crimean Peninsula, that ship sailed in 2014. It's been Russian property really since 1783, since the year we made peace with the British after the Revolutionary War right. under the Articles of Confederation. Um, and, yeah. and definitely since 2014. And the Donbass, if we fought another, uh, if we continue to pour arms in there for years, maybe the Ukrainians could somehow drive the Russians out of the Donbass. But frankly, they should just let it go anyway. And the previous president, Poroshenko, even said to Putin, why don't you just take it? And Putin's like, I don't want the Donbass. You isn't keep it. isn't the Donbass to it. decimated at, at this point as a result of the war? Isn't it virtually useless? Well, yeah, I'm sure. Yes, there. Whatever industry there must have all taken a major hit during the fighting. And who knows? Yes, whoever owns the Donbass now is going to have a huge expense on their hands trying to rebuild it. You know. One more. Uh, one more clip from uh, Matt Van Dyke. In a lot of ways, it's looking a lot more like World War One than World War Three over here. People are digging trenches. There's a lot of artillery exchange. There's even soldiers coming back with trench foot. And it's a war of attrition of equipment and personnel that will grind on perhaps for years. But in the end, really, everything is pointing to a Ukrainian victory here over time. So what happens if Donald Trump is elected in 2024 or some president? I, I can't imagine Joe running for reelection, much less being reelected who basically says, this is none of our business. We will have wasted $53 billion, extended a war that slaughtered tens of thousands uh, of innocents and accomplished nothing. Yeah, and, and worse than none of our business, right? America's fault for precipitating this crisis and refusing to negotiate in good faith to prevent the war from breaking out. And as you can read in the Post and the Times and the Wall Street Journal and watch them brag about it on MSNBC, we want to bleed the Russians. We want to break them. We want, in fact, even our Secretary of State and Secretary of Defense both have said the goal here is essentially to fight to the last Ukrainian if we have to, to weaken Russia. And people right. can check my footnote here. It's Washington Post on April the 5th. They literally said in the Post on April the 5th, we want, or some NATO members, they said, meaning the US and Eastern European states want to see the Ukrainians continue, quote, fighting and dying, end quote, in order to make sure, Judge, quote, that the war does not end too early because they want to see Russia weakened. And well, that we is, have is, that. Unlike what your friend said, pardon me, uh, your guest in, the, in that clip about this is World War I, he's wrong about that. The Russians are sitting on 6,000 H-bombs. And our... Um, our government admits, our, our director of national intelligence says, premise one, Putin would only use nukes if he feels like the existence of his state is threatened. Premise two, if he loses this war, he very well might feel like the existence of his state is threatened and right. might use nuclear weapons. And then she says, well, no, don't worry, because we're pretty sure he'll give us some more warning before he actually uses nukes. I, I would say they keep warning that they might use nukes. 
I would say premise three, he'll use uh, nuclear weapons if he thinks his own personal, physical safety or longevity in office is seriously threatened, whether by internal forces or external forces. And there, I'll, I'll add one more globalist point mentality of Tony Blinken and his buddies uh, in Western Europe. And the president let this slip, remember, in one of his speeches when he said, this guy's got to go. That uh, globalist mentality uh, could bring about the ruination of the United States because he could send his nuclear weapons the other way towards Anchorage and Alaska if he wants. That's right. I mean, again, they are picking on Russia like Russia's just Saddam Hussein or just ISIS, right? Like they have just absolutely no legitimacy whatsoever. Putin is nothing but Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi until the day the Delta Force gets him. But that's just not right. I mean, this is the head of, and, and, and as, as Pat Buchanan, again, I'll quote Pat Buchanan said, our leaders never talk this way about the Soviet Union, at least post-Stalin. They did not personally insult Khrushchev and Brezhnev and Andropov and whoever in this fashion, the way they talk about Vladimir Putin, where they make right. diplomacy almost impossible by making it as personal as they make it. And it is, it's the most negligent group, uh, the most criminal group of men in world history. This is absolutely crazy. This is like the first Ronald Reagan administration before he saw the day after, where they are just absolutely playing with nuclear fire here. But again, at that time, the Russians had a 1,200 mile buffer zone between them and NATO. Now they have zero. Scott Horton, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Come back again soon. Thank you, sir. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.